Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Time is our most valuable commodity, our most precious resource. As we begin a new year, let's dive deep into the principles necessary to make the most of the time we are given and learn to steward it well. Good morning, church. All right, um, I got to be honest. Um, I don't know what, what we're about to do. Is that all right? Um, you plan and you prepare and you get ready and that kind of stuff, but sometimes God just begins to stir something in your spirit um, as a preacher, and those moments are cool and scary. Um, yeah. It's weird, man. I, I grew up going to uh, Victory Mountain Camp, which is in Sofia, which is not far from where we sit. Uh, that place, God did a lot of things in my, li- in my life. It's where I accepted Jesus for myself. It's where I surrendered to a call to ministry. Um, and it's where I met um, a lot of really important people in my life. And when I was in high school, I was at that camp, and there was a school called Southern Wesleyan University where I'd eventually go to college that would bring ministry teams to that camp. And when I was in high school, I met this guy named Heath Mulliken. Goofy dude at the time. Uh, and we just began to form a relationship even in that time. I would eventually go to Southern Wesleyan University. And by the time I got there, he had just graduated and took a youth pastor position at the church, which is on the campus of that college. And Heath and I began to just form a relationship that was, uh, would be a relationship that would last a lifetime. You know, very rarely do people walk into your life and never walk out. Uh, And if you're lucky enough to have a handful of those people who walk in and never walk out, and you know the kind of people that it it, it doesn't matter if it's been two minutes or two years, that like you can talk to them, you know, you can just have conversations, and there's no pretense, and there's no, you can just pick right up where you left off, and you can talk about anything and just have those conversations. Well, Heath was one of those people in my life. You know, being four years older than me, and I took a church when I left college, started doing youth ministry, and we were close enough to be able to hang out, and, and he had a whole four years under his belt, so he had a lot of wisdom to share with me about ministry, and, and just have walked through most of the important adult things of life together. We would, we would do a camp down in South Carolina every summer for, for teens down in, in that area every summer, and so we would hang out, and we had a lot of late nights having conversations with ice cream sandwiches. Uh, I remember five, about five years ago, his wife Karen got diagnosed with Huntington's disease. I don't know if you know anything about Huntington's disease, but it's a, it's, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible disease. There's no cure. It's essentially a death sentence. Um, I don't claim to be a doctor and know a whole lot about it, but basically eventually your brain just begins to kind of erode and eventually just shut down. Um, so it's a long road. So Heath and their three kids have been walking with Karen through these five years with such grace. We've been talking about how the day you're born, basically it flips your glass. 
At the moment you, you take your first breath in this world, like your glass is flipped and, and the grains of sand in your life, which are the moments and seconds of, of your days and your years, they just begin to tick away. And then when, you, when you look at an hourglass, the beauty of this glass is the, as you stare at it, you, you'll come to the point where you know when, when the sand is about to run out. And for many of us, we, we, don't, we don't get that, right? Like we don't know how much sand is left in the glass, even as we sit here right now. You don't know if there's enough grains for another 10 years or 10 minutes. But Heath and Karen got to see what we don't see. They knew that the sands on Karen's life were ticking. And, and even though they really didn't know when eventually this disease would take her life, they could physically even watch the disease begin to erode. And like for some of us, like I can't imagine that. I don't know how I would respond to knowing that I'm going to watch my wife die. But he embraced it. Why? Because he didn't have any other choice. And right after Christmas, Karen moved into stage five of Huntington's disease, which is the fifth and final stage. And which meant, like, you could see that there weren't a whole lot of grains left. And at 6.28 on Friday... Her last grain fell, and she went to be with Jesus. It's weird that you're in a series called Time, and we've been saying all these things. And it's weird that God... God pushed me back into this subject. Because I, don't, I, don't, I didn't want to teach a series I'd already done. I didn't want to talk about this subject again. But as I've watched Heath walk through this with his family, I realize that God knows what he's doing. Because one thing to stand up here and have these conversations and to talk about time and, and to talk about the realities of it and knowing that the grains are ticking. But when you watch it like really happen with somebody that you love and care about, man, it makes a difference. I text Heath, I think it was on Thursday. And you know what? Christians say stupid things when people are dying. <laughs> you know what? When people are dying, tell them you love them and you're praying for them, then shut up. Because some of the things we say, they don't help. Come on, somebody. Stop looking at me like that, like it's true. Like it doesn't help. I said, dude, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And my prayer is that God is just so real in this moment. And he just texts me back. He is. And then we text back and forth, and he said, 
and Matt. Hold your wife a little tighter tonight. Whew. So what do I do with that now? <laughs> Try to preach a message? <clears throat> yeah, I'm gonna. Because the reality is time is precious. And I can say that and I can use this stupid undersized hourglass And I'm not, and, and see, here's the thing, like, when, when, you, when you start having this conversation, when I, and when I give you an example that's as serious as that one is, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. And like, I'm praying, like, all right, God, you know, what, what, do, I, what do I do with this reality? Because when you're hit with something in your life that allows reality to sink in as deep as what my friend is going through right now, you, you're, you're hit with the reality of time. And, you know, you're battling this whole issue, too, because, like, Karen's time has just run out. But Heath and his three kids still have time in front of them. And now they've got to figure out, now what do we do? Because, yeah, she's, she's gone. And, and, you know, the reality is, like, like, God saw it coming and knew it was coming. And, and God still has time, like, in front of them that... That he doesn't want them to waste. And, and when you walk through something like that, man, it can make you like bitter. And it can do a lot of things to you to, to screw up the next weeks and days and years. And you know, when I, when I, when I hear this news, like when, and when, you, when the reality of time sinks in, it's really easy for the pressure of its reality to start building in your life. And to almost freak out a little bit. I mean, it's like, okay, I just want to go home, lock myself in the house with my kids and my wife and pull them close and like, like never even leave again. I mean, like, that's kind of like, come on. Like, that's kind of how you, but that, so when you have, when the reality of time hits you and you realize that like all that it really is and that it is fleeting and limited and, and the realities of everything that we've been talking about have just played out to be so true in the life of somebody that I care about. And like, God, what do, what do I do with that? Because, you know, Moses was right in Psalm 90. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom because, God, our days are numbered and we don't, we don't know what they're going to bring. We don't know what they're going to involve. We don't know what's going to happen. But like in this moment, like, I don't want to. I don't want to panic. And when 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 reality of time really sinks deep in your heart, your reaction can be just to panic. And when you panic, you get impatient, and impatience is a really dangerous space to live in when it comes to time. And the reality is, like, when when that hits you, you you tend to try to do too much or try to do too little. And both are equally as dangerous when it comes to time. Trying to do too much and trying to do too little. Anybody ever been there? Like, you ever had one of those moments, like, especially when you, when you can physically see time running out, you begin to panic. Like, have you ever been in that point where, like, you, you have to be somewhere? And you look at the clock and you realize, we need to leave probably ten minutes ago. So all of a sudden, just something comes over your body. And you just begin to start rushing around. And next thing you know, you, you, you get in the car and you're like, 
oh, I forgot this. Or, oh, I forgot that. And, and you're rushing around, and the next thing you know, and, and then all of a sudden you get like a short fuse, and you're yelling at your kids. Just me. And, like, you're just trying to move because, like, it's, and see, like, that's, that's not what I want to happen as a result of this series. Like, I don't want you to, like, I, I want you to have the reality of time to really, I want it to sink in. I want you to understand it. I want, that, I want you to feel a little bit of that pressure because I think, like, we need to, but I, I don't want that pressure to cause you to panic. Because what I found is when, when, when that happens to me, I, I misuse time. When, when I was trying to make the most of it, in panic from pressure, I misuse it. And it's so easy to do it. Like, you know what? Oh, we've only got a few more, more months till they graduate and they go off to college and we smother those children. Or we've only got a few. Like, when, when that reality gets on us, man, we can, we can overreact. And what I found is that, that when I overreact, some really bad things happen in my own life that make me misuse time when I was trying to make the most of it. Like, when, when I begin to panic about time, I, fa- I just, I don't, find, I don't find value in being still. And if you're going to make the most of time, you've you got to find value in being still. Because still seems like a big waste of time. Come on, somebody. Like, I want to, like... Still just seems useless to me, especially when, when, you, can, when you can see the grains, the grains running out. And it, like, to be still, it's like, okay, I'll be still, but I ain't going to like it. But I, there, there's value in being still. And see, one of, most, a lot of us, we're, we're not still kind of people. Anybody else with me? Like, somebody like, yeah, I love be, I, I'd like to be still in my bed right now, if I could. <laughs> a lot of us are more like Martha than we are Mary. Or some of us are more like Mary than we are Martha. You remember that one? And Jesus was going to their house. Check this out. Go to Luke chapter 10. Take over verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She said she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried. I heard a preacher say one time that worry is wasteful. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. See, Jesus says, Mary, like, like what you, Martha, what you fail to realize in this moment not that what you're doing isn't needed and necessary. Not that, that I want you to be lazy. But right now, in this moment of time, the better choice, the better use of this minute is just to be still and listen. And what I've discovered is I waste time because I, I don't always have the discernment. I don't have the discernment of when to work diligently and when to wait patiently. And working diligently is important. 
but so was waiting patiently. And when you, when, when you let time create pressure and panic, it's hard to discern which one you're supposed to do. Because sometimes we convinced ourselves, well, because time is so short, like, like we use it by the measure of time we think we have. But you know what I found is sometimes in the moment where I don't feel like I have a lot of time is when God asks me to be still. I'm like, God, I don't have time to be still in case you haven't noticed. Like, is it ever funny? Like, there's times when people come to this in our building and want to have a conversation with me when I'm trying to leave. Just full transparency. And like, like you, you've been, y'all got to quit judging me because y'all are like this too. Like, like, right, isn't it funny how, like, like some of those really in-depth conversations are really, like, happen when, like, really right now? Like, you got to choose this moment? And, and God's like, yeah, so stop. And be still, because what's about to happen right now is more important than what you thought was going to happen when you got there. I think about the ministry of Jesus, and we preached on this one time, of Jesus believed in the, min- the ministry of divine disruption. You ever no- notice, go read through the Gospels, and there, notice how often when Jesus is headed one place, and on his way there, somebody stops and interrupts him, and he, you know what he does? He makes time. He's willing to be still. And like this is in scripture, like again, all throughout the Bible. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, 14. Like there's all these places in scripture where he says, be still. And like if you're going to make the most of your time, you've got to find value in being still. And sometimes being still is going to be great. Because God says, be still, and you're like, thank you. Like, I've been waiting, God, I've been waiting for you to say that. Like, I've been waiting to be still. But you know what I found? God, like, I want God to tell me to be still at the beach. Most times, God says to me, be still in traffic. Like, it's not like, like, God, listen to me, look at at me. There's going to be times when God tells you to be still in the last place you would ever want to stay. Like, God, you want me to be still in this season? No, I want this season to be over, Jack. Like, I'm ready to be done. And you know what God says? Be still. Be still. And if you don't find value in being still, you'll rush through things. Heath has a podcast that he started when he realized Karen was coming to an end because he just needed an outlet to verbalize what he was going through. I've been listening to it and listening to like the way that they were able to spend the last days with Karen as she began to just begin to shut down but just still had moments where she could somehow recognize that they were around her, listening to her favorite songs and music and singing and like in this moment when her last days they found value and just as a family sitting around her bedside and praying and singing and just being still and I just began when I heard him talk about that I felt like God say to me like Matt don't wait for those moments to value being still 
but for me, if I'm going to make the most of time, not only do I have to find value in being still, I can't fail to recognize being stuck. Because, like, yeah, being still has value, but being stuck is wasteful. And see, it's one thing to find value in being still. It's another thing to fail to recognize being stuck. And there's been times in my life when I've said, I'm just deep being still. And God's like, no, you just got stuck. Like, you're not being still. You're not where you are because I want you to be there. You're where you are because at some point you got lazy and complacent and failed to move. Like, I wanted you there, but the expiration date on your time there ended about two months ago or two years ago or ten years ago. And so, like, like this, it's hard, ain't it? Like, you've got to be able to, to distinguish, like, all right, am I where I am in this place, in this season, where I'm at spiritually, where I'm at in my relationships with my wife and my kids and our church? Am I here because I'm being obediently still or I'm being disobediently stuck? And sometimes you can get stuck in a place where God wanted you just to be still. You can settle in a place where God never wanted you to stay. And that's wasteful. I think about the time, Elijah, you, you remember in 1 Kings chapter 19, chapter 18 is one of that cool stories, Mount Carmel experience where he calls fire down from heaven and just shows out where the, he, God just eliminates the entire sacrifice and shows who he is and then he has to go on the run and, and he's kind of running for his life and he goes to this cave and God feeds him and does all this kind of stuff. But then in verse 19, Verse 9, the latter part of verse 9 of 1 Kings 19. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know what I think is a better translation of that verse is, what are you still doing here, Elijah? Like, he was there and God took care of him and there was a moment, like, it's not like, like where he was at some point was not a place he needed to be. He needed a place to retreat. He needed to refuel. He needed to be still for a moment and allow God to heal and give him courage. But it's like, okay, God is saying now, like, Elijah, why are you still here? Like, you've been still long enough. Now you're not being still. You're just stuck. And it's time to move. It's time to go. I think that can happen to us. Like, like, we can so easily just get stuck. We can get satisfied. And maybe where, where we are was, was at mo- once a moment of, of still that we needed to be, and God needed to refresh us or speak up, uh, things into our lives and, and give us a time to just kind of rejuvenate and heal. But maybe, just maybe, that time is up, and it's time for you to move. It's time for you to get unstuck. That you've just gotten complacent. you stalled out and gotten stagnant. And you know what God is saying? Why are you wasting time here? Why are you wasting time here? You've gotten complacent. Or you've gotten it the way it, God talks to the church in Revelation, lukewarm. Revelation chapter 3, I know your deeds. They are neither hot nor cold. I wish you'd be either one. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That you got stuck. You got complacent. You got lukewarm. Like there was a time when, 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 when where you are is where you needed to be, but, but you let that just prolong. And like it's really easy. There's time like in my life when, 
when God was just moving in my heart. And I knew he was moving in my heart. And, and I told people, you know, we say, we use good, like, Christian words. Well, I'm just still praying about that. Ain't that a good one that we use? That ain't a reason. That's an excuse, bro. Still, I'm just still praying about that. Or, I'm waiting on God. Maybe God's waiting on you. So if we're going to make the most of time, yeah, we need to find value in being still. There's value in it. But you have to, you cannot fail to recognize being stuck. And the only way to get unstuck is to step out. If you're going to make the most time, you've got to figure out your next step. If you're stuck, the only way that you can get unstuck is to step out of stuck. Like you're just waiting for God to come along and push you. And now sometimes God will do all that kind of stuff, but God, God never wanted you to be his puppet. He gives you that choice to make, to make that decision. And so if you're stuck, what's your next step? And you know what all this boils down to? Being able to know when to be still. Being able to recognize when you're stuck. Being able to know what the next step is. Is you, that discernment comes from an intimate relationship with Jesus. The only, because I know that what you're thinking is the same thing I'm thinking. All right, well, how, like, like I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm going to be stuck. Not gonna be still when I need to be still, but I'm also scared I'm gonna be stuck when I ain't supposed to be stuck. And I'm also scared I need to take a next step, but I don't know what that step is. The only way to know is to constantly put yourself in a position where you can distinguish his voice. I'm gonna tell you something that somebody along the way is gonna tell you is a lie. God speaks to you. I know that for, when, when preachers start saying that, people start freaking out. Oh Lord, there you go. But like you, you look at Scripture, and it's undeniable, Old Testament, New Testament, all throughout the Scriptures, like it says that God will speak to us. Now again, I remind you, he's never going to say anything contradictory to his word. Never, ever. God, if God tells you to, something to, do, to do something that's outside of his word, it ain't God. It's heartburn or bad Chinese food. or Like it's, it's not Jesus. And the only way you can know that is you have to be in his word. Oh, there Matt goes again. He tells us that every week. Yes! Every day you have to be in the word. If you want to follow Jesus, and I believe that following Jesus is the only way to make most of the, most of the time that we have, I think outside of a relationship with Jesus, you will squander your life. And if that's your desire, if you don't want to walk in relationship with Jesus, never pick up your Bible. But if you want to walk in relationship with Jesus, you have to be in the Word every single day. A day cannot go by where you're not in it, at least for some amount of time. It, it just cannot happen. Because it says all throughout Scripture. Look at Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. In other words, what the prophet Isaiah is saying is there's going to be a voice that speaks into the ear of your heart that tells you which way to step so that you don't get stuck. And knowing that voice. And remember what Jesus said, John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus would say, like, like 
He's the shepherd and we're his sheep. And the sheep are able to distinguish the voice of the shepherd from all the other voices that are competing for your attention. Like if, if, if you're stuck instead of still, the only way to, to get unstuck is to step. But you will step in the wrong direction if you're not constantly desiring to hear him speak. So, you know, getting unstuck is as simple as doing what he's telling you to do. And then it's like, well, well Matt, I, I, I don't know what he's telling me to do. Maybe because you're not in the Word. Maybe because you're not doing the things that you need to do to stay intimately connected to Him. Maybe it's because you're only showing up at church once every six months. Maybe it's because you're only praying when things go bad. And you're using prayer as a vehicle for answers instead of intimacy, which He created it for. But you know what? Can, can I just be honest about me? Most of my life, I'm not stepping in the right direction, not because I don't know what he wants me to do, but because I've yet to have the courage to do it. That most of the time I'm stuck because I heard God speak into my life, and I told him I would do it, and I didn't. See, maybe you getting unstuck is not about knowing what he wants you to do, but finally doing what you told him you would. You want to you learn a lot about time? Go to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes was written by a guy named Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live. And pretty much if you, if the entire book is, is a journal about time. And, like, he's like, <laughs> and Solomon, it's kind of depressing too because Solomon's like, I did all this and it was meaningless. Made a lot of money, meaningless. Had a lot of wives, well, you were just crazy. <laughs> like, meaningless. But look at what he says in chapter 5. Like, really listen to these words. You leaning in? You with me say amen? amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what that they do wrong. Look at verse 2. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. So when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you to sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless, therefore fear God. Do you hear what, do you hear what Solomon's saying? He's like, hey, be careful telling God what you're going to do. Because if you tell God you're going to do something, guess what? He's going to expect that you do it. So before you go telling God, oh, oh, I'll do that. God, I'll, I'll do that. I'll be obedient in that area. I'll serve. I'll have that conversation. I'll pray every day. I promise, 2019, the year of the Bible. Like he's saying, like, be careful, man. 
Because like you start making these commitments to God, and you know what? It's, it's one thing to break a promise, to, which is it's still not good. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Like make sure that, that you, and maybe you're stuck, not because you don't know what God wants you to do. You know, and you told him that you would. And now a lot of time has gone by. And God's like, hey, I, I thought you were going to, you said you were going to, you told me, you promised them. You knew, like, that this needed, like, what's going on? What's happening? James would put it like this in James chapter 4, verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. In other words, you're stuck not because you don't know which way to step, but because you're just standing there. And God's saying, get to stepping. Because you're wasting Grains are falling. And as you notice, as it gets closer to the end, it begins to pick up speed. I want you to feel the pressure of that, but I don't want you to overreact. Don't cause the pressure of knowing that time is limited and fleeting put you in a place where you don't value still. And maybe there's people in the room just need to be still. But then I know there's some people in the room that somewhere along the way still turned into stuck. And it's time to step. Now, and you don't need to hear from God again. You need to do what you said you would. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. God, in this moment, I don't know what anybody in this room needs to do with what they've heard. But I know you do. So I pray through the prompting of your spirit, just like your word just said, that you would speak. If there's somebody in here that's working diligently right now, when they should be waiting patiently, I pray that you just help them to be still. God, if there's somebody in this room that is stuck, I pray that you would just help them to see that place. Maybe they're stuck spiritually, relationally. They're stuck in a way that just isn't healthy. I pray that you would help them to see the step and have the courage to take it. God, as we worship you, may you move in this space. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and worship with us. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.